Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. Now in our Bible reading this week, uh, we read the account where the Lord Jesus uh, reminded his disciples that servants serve because they are servants. They don't do it to be praised or thanked. And our worship team doesn't do this this morning to be thanked. Uh, but I would just like, if, if, if the music this morning helped to draw your heart and thoughts toward our Heavenly Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, would you please say amen? Amen. amen. Uh, that song, Jesus Paid It All, that was just so beautiful. And if, if your heart was not uh, drawn to God, uh, either you don't know Christ the Savior or something's gone cold. If you don't know Christ the Savior, I don't want you to leave this place today without knowing how much God loves you. And we are here today underneath the cross of Calvary as a reminder that Jesus Christ, Son of God, fully God and fully man, died on the cross, paid for my sin, paid my punishment, what I should be punished for my sin. And God's grace was given to me and is offered to you so you can have eternal life and forgiveness for sins. I pray you will not leave this place today with not accepting Christ's payment as a gift for your salvation. Amen? Now, um, we all know each other well enough for the most part that I can be honest with you, right? Right? Right, thank you. So uh, let me tell you what's going on here. Um, you notice the both and I'm preaching this morning on living to please God. Yesterday I found out early, earlier in the day that uh, Brother Bill and Nancy Rigg were going to be here. Uh, his wife Nancy were going to be with us uh, today. And uh, I got home last night and I had a call from uh, uh, Dwayne inviting me to have lunch with uh, Bill today. And I got the phone and thought, we should have Bill preach. And, uh, you know, I don't do things out of the ordinary too often. I'm pretty predictable. But um, I just, I, I called him and, and uh, Bill was willing to do that. Um, kind of short notice. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> And without elder board approval, Chris, is it okay if Bill preaches today? You're the vice chairman. Okay, good. All right, so we got it approved. And uh, uh, Bill and Nancy, uh, just for some of you, and a lot of you are newer to our congregation, and uh, our, our relationship with the regs go way back to when I was a young person, uh, junior high age. And uh, Bill uh, visited us uh, from Grace Bible College when our church was just first starting. He was our camp speaker for several years, and uh, throughout the years, we've, we've been in touch over different ministries, and um, he's just impacted so many of our lives, so many of us who are in ministry today, uh, Bill and Nancy have been a big part of, and uh, they have a ministry called Salt Ministries, which is a uh, variety of ministries they are involved in, in America and around the world. He's been involved in full-time in camp work, and pastoring, Grace Bible College, Salt Ministries. And after 50 years in the ministry, I figured he probably has a sermon he can give with short notice. So, Bill, come on up. And uh, Bill is going to uh, bring the message today. And uh, I'm going to have a word of prayer with Bill. I don't want you to feel any pressure, Bill, because if you give a really bad message, uh, they're really nice people, and they're just going to think, well, he didn't get much time to get ready for this, right? <laughs> and it'll make Pastor Gary look really good next week. So if you give a really good message... Then I'll say, man, Pastor Jim was a genius for thinking of that. So, 
So we got a win-win situation here. But the brothers could head with us. We're a prayer, huh? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much uh, for the just uh, friends we have in ministry and the way you've used uh, Bill and Nancy. Uh, they're your servants. And Lord, thank you for his willingness to serve this morning and just bring us a message of hope from your uh, word and, and from the ministries you've given them. Bless them now. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. It really was short notice. <laughs> But not, but not as short as Lloyd. The first time I was here, just about 50 years ago, sitting on the platform at the school where you guys are meeting at that point, before this was built, uh, there to uh, represent Grace Bible College and sitting on the platform, ready to give my spiel, Lloyd leans over and says, you're going to love these people. And I said, Okay. And he said, uh, they're really something. Okay. He said, uh, he said, you should, you should preach to them this morning. <laughs> I said, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> so you gave me a lot of notice calling me last night. But sometimes I do feel a bit like a mosquito in a nudist camp. I, uh, I know what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm not sure where I should start. <laughs> Nancy is here, joined by our oldest uh, grandson, who is working in the city, trying to fix your leaky railroad tunnel downtown. He'll be here for about a month, Luther. And so he wanted to come and hear Jim Shamaria preach. This morning, so he's gonna he's gonna be back at least in two weeks, I guess. Gary, you know, next week, and uh, I don't. When are you gonna preach again? All right, all right, all right, okay. And then the map of uh, Tanzania brings back memories, doesn't it, Luther? I recognize where those buildings are. Walked around on those grounds some years ago. Went to those places and. Spent time with those, with those people. Had the opportunity to, to do that. And while they're thinking about my friend Jamie back in Nebraska, who, who had said before we, before we left, you know, I have pancreatic cancer and I'm not going to be around long. So he said, I want you to, I want you to take this check for $10,000 and in case I die, while you're in Tanzania, I want you and Nancy to come back and do my service, and then you can go back to Africa. What about that? I said, okay. What if you don't die? He said, buy a car. He didn't die, and I did buy a car. And the one I'm driving right now is also on the Jamie plan because I gave that car away to a guy that we sponsor through Salt Ministries called Tim. Tim, Tim picks up indigent people in the city of Grand Rapids on what he calls the Plainfield Corridor and he takes them to their appointments. You know, they're been out, the Dutch call it. They're not sick enough to be in bed and they're not well enough to be up, but they need somebody to get them around. And so Tim does that. He's pretty eccentric. And so he doesn't show up at too many meetings. He doesn't get a lot of invitations out. But with his people, 
with his people and with his dog named Thor, a huge 85-pound English sheepdog sitting in the front seat of that original car, he makes the rounds. Well, his car just gave out, and so, uh, you know, he's going to need another one. But in the meantime, I gave him the other car, and the guy who kind of watches over him said, that was really a nice gesture. He said, what are you going to drive? I said, I don't know. He said, well, how did you get that car? So I told him about Jamie. And he said, come over to my office. He gave me a check for $10,000 to get another car. And that's the one I'm riding around in, in now. Salt, salt ministries kind of operates that way. We're a ministry of response. We don't initiate much because we don't have to. We just go to bed early and wait for the phone to ring like it did last night. And Shemari asked me to come and preach this morning. So that's why, that's why I'm here, ready to, uh, ready to respond somehow. Sometimes that's the way it works. We didn't know if we'd even be here this Sunday. That's why we didn't call ahead, because one of the things we did was stand by the bedside of a 38-year-old woman who was giving birth to her first child. Things were going well, but you never know about the possibility of complications that can happen. And so we were prepared to, to stay around, should that be the case. But it wasn't the case. And later that day, after we had prayed, you know, for everything, including dilation, you know, and, and contractions and all of the medical stuff, all the stuff that has to do with plumbing. I said, God bless Samson as he comes into this world, because that is that little boy's name. Isn't that something? And he, he was born well. And, and the father and the grandfather were rejoicing, along with the mama and the grandma. And so we were able to leave Salem and start working our way up here. But that's, that's how ministry happens. When, when you agree to be, as Matthew 5.13 says, the salt of the earth. It's like one story leads to another one. And, and Jesus says in that portion of scripture, ye are the salt of the earth. Not the, just the disciples, but as the disciples reached out as they were the salt of the earth, which is an interesting figure, not the diamonds, not the rubies, not the precious stones or the precious metals, but salt, something so simple, something so common, something so ordinary. I used to be on the board of the Chicago Gospel Mission, part of Salt Ministries, being on a few boards here and there. Go down to Chicago for the meeting. It was at the mission. But Wally Pearl was the mater d' at the Chicago Club, the club that was started on Michigan Avenue in the high-rise that doesn't have any prices on the menu. It was started by Todd Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln's son. But Wally went to North Shore Church, and Wally was a friend. And Wally says, when you come down for the meeting, eat lunch with me. And I'd check in, get okayed, be ushered into the Bill Veck room. Bill Veck was the owner of the Chicago White Sox. And Bill Veck refused to wear neckties. And so there was a special room for guys that didn't wear neckties. 
So Wally and I would go in in the afternoon after the crowd had left and enjoy a delicious, delicious meal that sometimes needed a little salt to flavor it because that's one of the properties of salt, isn't it? And we would enjoy the meal. And then soon after, I would walk the two miles across the river over to the west side of town where the mission was. And a little later before the meeting, we'd all get in line with the guys, the street guys, the guys who would never see the light or eat the food in the Chicago club. And we'd stand in line, get the bean soup, which was delicious, go to a table, sit with the guys, take the salt, flavor the bean soup. Salt is everywhere present, isn't it? It's in the high rise. It's in the low rise. It's everywhere. It's one of the properties of salt. It's so universal. It shows up everywhere. And you know, nobody gets excited about it. Nobody leaves the Chicago club saying, man, they have great salt at the Chicago club. Nobody leaves the mission saying that. But there it is. Kind of utilitarian Kind of common, kind of ordinary, easy to acquire, pretty cheap, but very, very important to us. Sometimes as a, as a healer. Sometimes as a preserver. Sometimes as a, as a penetrator. If you live back in the Midwest, salt the roads. Can tell how old the car is sometimes by how many holes it has in the fenders and how much rust is on the bumper because it's, it's penetrating. And sometimes because of that, it's irritating. Salt has all of those properties, doesn't it? He was delayed in Rome. His flight wouldn't take off for another six hours. He was not only a believer, but a pastor, a friend. And he found a guide and said, I'm a Christian. I have some time. Would you please take me to what you think is the most important Christian site in this city? And so they began to rove around. Thought perhaps it would be the Sistine Chapel, St. Peter's, perhaps even the Colosseum, where so many of our early brethren and sister and died. And then the Colosseum came in view. And he thought perhaps the guide should park a little bit closer. They got out of the car, and they didn't go in that direction. They went to a stone building that had an iron gate that didn't swing open so easily. My pastor friend began to wonder what this was about. And they went inside, and it was rather dark, dimly lit. And then down one of those long, spiral, sort of Alfred Hitchcock-like stairways, down to the, the dungeon, to duck down, he said, and to go into a little cage-like structure. What in the world are we doing here? 
anticipating the question the guide then said to my friend, as far as we know, here in the bowels of the Mamertine prison is where the Apostle Paul, your Apostle Paul, wrote the book of Second Timothy. Only Luke was with him. And in the dampness and in the darkness of that tomb-like cell, with Luke perhaps at his side, he writes, or perhaps Luke writes for him, his eyesight being now at almost 65 years of age, deteriorating. It had been a problem before and perhaps now even worse. Something to think about, isn't it? Why God would allow something like that to happen to one of his most choice servants. But there they were, the two of them. No more. No more visits. The time in Rome was going to end soon, as was his life. And so we asked the question, for a person who has been abandoned, deserted by his friends, his brothers and sisters, for a person who is now near the end of his life, sick, broken, beaten, for a person like that, how, how in the world can they possibly respond to conditions like this? Cynicism would be understandable. Sarcasm with God, thanking him for the wonderful retirement plan, would be in order. But no, it's time for some sort of papyrus. It's some, some writing instrument. Something had to be written. To write a letter at this time in life? The swan song. The identity of that swan, among many varieties, is the one who never makes a sound until he knows he's going to die. And then this bleak, forlorn song that soon takes his life away. And so we find Paul about to engage with Luke, writing of his, of his swan song. And he thinks, I have... I have served as well as I possibly could. He remembers writing all of those other letters previous to this one. He remembers writing about the prison times, the good times, the walks in the mountains, the trips on the sea. He remembers the suffering. And in spite of all of those things, he he talks of Christ in, in you, the hope, the hope of, of glory. It certainly doesn't seem he's the hope of this life, but perhaps the hope of glory. He goes on and thinks that I will let glory save in the cross of the Lord Jesus. He remembers what he has written before, what the Spirit has inspired him to say. And now that same Spirit inspires him once again. And he remembers his son, his son in the faith. He remembers 
He remembers Timothy. Timothy from Lystra. And what are people from Lystra called? Lystarines. I don't know. But that's where he was from, Acts 16. And so he begins to write. And the theme of this comparably short pastoral epistle, as we call it, the theme is the theme of what this church has been built on and what still happens here, which is the Word of God. And in the context of this letter, he says, I'm bound, but the Word of God is not bound. And we see more than a spark. We see a smoldering flame of truth within. Though all perhaps have abandoned him, Demas having loved us, this present world, what a disappointment. And he says to Timothy, O Timothy, from a babe, you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. The importance of knowing the word. And he knew that that though he came from a mixed marriage, nevertheless, his really marriage, his real marriage was to the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And he reminds him that even from a child, and how important it has been for me in the context and in the life of this church to be able to come here years ago, for years on end, and teach your children some of whom are doing things up here and other places. Grace churches are overrun with kids from Seattle. Frosty Hansen, president of the Grace Gospel Fellowship. Frosty Hansen, who I thought had a a bad left hand because he had this glove on it all the time. And then looking closer, it was a trapper's mitt. It was a baseball glove. I don't think he removed it at night. I think he showered with his hand over his head. (laughs) And to grow up and to be with these, with these children, your children, to be a part of this. A child, for many of you, you've, you've known the scriptures because you've come here. And, and because you've come here, you found out about, about the scriptures which are able to, to make you wise unto salvation. And you not only knew about them, but, but you believed them. As the invitation has already been given by Jim. How I remember on one occasion when we were here after this building was built, during the offering, White Peterson walks out and gives the invitation to receive Christ during the offering. Stories about life never end. He had his ways. I remember him walking around on the beams of this church with that goofy hat on. Telling the contractors how to build it well, as only Lloyd could inform them. But it was the Word of God. Not only knowing it, but believing it. I know whom I have believed, Paul says in that, in that letter to Timothy. And, and I've committed myself unto him against, against that day when things horizontally will pretty much come to an end and vertically will be caught up to meet him and be with him. In glory. Ah, what a hope. And so he looks at his surroundings. The dampness begins to get to his bones. He goes on to Timothy and he says, Timothy, don't let it end there. 
Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly handling, rightly dividing, rightly uniting the Word of God. Ah, to read that for the first time. Timothy, a little on the timid side. Not the guy that's going to go down the aisle and give the invitation during the offering. One that's going to stand aside a little bit more because God has his ways being the salt of the earth. And salt in a way is kind of passive, you know. It's not that active uh, until it's, it's given its, its reign. And then wonderfully, one, one of the most wonderful properties about salt itself is that it, as it does its work, it what? It disappears. It disappears. And he says that. I, I, I'm, I, I'm, about to, I'm about to disappear from here, Timothy. So not only know the word, believe the word, study the word, but he concludes by saying, Timothy... Preach the word. Be the salt of the earth. Preach it with your lips. But more than that, Timothy, preach it with your life. Preach it with your life. And and, and that's why we come together and worship. All week long, we're living in the tunnels of life. Luther, literally. Kind of in the darkness, in the dampness. Kind of like the Mamertine prison of life, the horizontal stuff. We read the paper, and there are those who say, why don't you bring the newspaper up and lay it alongside of the Bible so you can kind of mingle both? And there are people who say, yeah, then we can see how how Christianity can identify with the world in order to do something about it, and that's good. And other people say, I've had enough of the newspaper. I want to hear the Word. I want to hear the Word. I want to hear the Word. My, My... My hope and my life is built upon the Word of God. And so we come to you on our journey. We are slowly, as you are, writing your book of Acts. Isn't that interesting? It's called the book of Acts. The book of actions. It's not called the book of thoughts. You know, And it's important to think. It truly is. But the book of Acts talks about the actions of God's people. It reminds us of our resources, that we have the Word of God, we have the Spirit of God to illuminate it to our minds and to our hearts. And then we have the resource of each other. As Gary said so eloquently in his Sunday school class today, love needs an object. We can't live by ourselves. We weren't made to be by ourselves. Unless, of course, you're terribly schizophrenic, you shouldn't do that. But we are made to be a body of believers and the great resource that we have of each other. And I think of Al and Carol when I see them. I met Al Lowen in 1957 or 58 when I was a college student. He was quite a bit older, visiting the campus. (laughs) But we met and we talked. And And I thought... This guy is somehow going to be a touchstone in my life over the years. And I think of so many others, many of them right here, and many of them here this morning, who have been part of that that body of, of believers. So coming out here to teach didn't draw from me. I always went back on that midnight flight 
sitting in the back of the plane eating steak. In the old days they did that. Thinking about how wonderfully I have been replenished by being Camp Lutherwood. Being with the kids. Being with the, with the helpers. And every time we come back here since, one of the reasons we go out of our way on the way to Michigan. And if you don't think that Seattle is out of the way from Southern California to Michigan, you really need to get friendly with a map of the United States. <laughs> and we come up here, and part of the reason is we want to come to church here. When I was laying in bed, he woke me up last night to tell me or ask me to preach. You know, I was sweet sleep after a good dinner, and I'm going to go worship Berean Church, you know. Asked me to preach. I still slept well. Because I knew, even coming here, hearing this wonderful music this morning, being with you all, shaking some hands that we've shook a lot before and some new ones that we haven't shook before. We, we, uh, we're, we're on the outside looking in most of the time, but when we're here, it seems like we're on the inside. We thank you for the fellowship that we have here in the gospel. So bless you. I'm deputizing you all, you are just like Jesus said, you are, we are, the salt of the earth. How are you, how are you going to do that? It's about actions, not just about thoughts about salt. It's about being salt, not stuck in the shaker, but out there doing the work of God, perhaps by healing, perhaps by flavoring, always penetrating, sometimes irritating sometimes preserving, but doing God's work in the terms of your personality as we endeavor to do it in terms of ours. So may the Lord bless you. And so many of the seats are empty here because there are many who have gone, who have gone on. And that's the the wonder of it all. Why do we spend so much time and money trying to hang around here? You get homesick for heaven, like Webb wrote the song? At this time of life, I guess that that begins to to be the case. But until that time happens, we'll keep being the salt of the earth, along with you, as you spread the flavoring, through this area, through this city, into the northwest, wherever wherever you might go. Thank you, Father. And as I thank the Father, I ask the Father to bring you to himself if you have never come. Say yes to him. Is there any reason why you would not embrace a Redeemer like the Lord Jesus, who can save you from any sin you've ever committed, through the instrumentality of that cross, and he can bring you, yet this morning, even unto himself. And if there's been some wandering, as we all do, you can always come back. Lay your burden at the foot of the cross and leave it there, because he'll remove it as far as the east is from the west. And Lord, will you bless this congregation, its leadership, its teachers, its ministry, its work, May they say, the Berean church, that uh, the word of God is not bound here. They turn it loose. 
They turn it loose, and it does its work like salt does. So thank you, Father, for this time, this opportunity, this place, these people, in the strong name, in the strong name, the strong, strong name of our loving Savior, who loves us so much. We love him because he first loved us. Good admonition this morning. Get out of the salt shaker into the world. Wherever God takes you this week, that's where he wants you. I can't go where you go. You can't go where I go. You can't go where each other's go. But you go where God takes you this week, to your neighborhoods, to your schools, to your work, wherever it is, and be the salt of the earth. So we were supposed to be in Ephesians today, and Gary's going to continue that next Sunday from Ephesians. But our passage today, we actually did cover a couple of weeks ago, be imitators of God as dearly loved children and live a life of love as Christ Jesus gave himself, a sweet, savor sacrifice for our sins. Appreciate Bill and Nancy and their willing, willingness to be servants, to live a life of love. It's encouraged us. I know you've been encouraged today. So let's leave this place and let's live a life of love. I'm going to close in prayer, and I'm going to ask Bill and Nancy to join me in the back, and you come and greet them. If you've never met them before, stop by, say hi, introduce yourself. I'll guarantee Bill will remember all your names the next time he comes back here. All right? <laughs> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, now we do love you today. And we may not always act like it, and we forget. And we read the Old Testament of the children of Israel, and we marvel at the forgetfulness can we be reminded of our own forgetfulness that we have the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that dwells in, that draws us back and draws us back. And Lord, we're thankful today that you love us as much as you're ever going to love us. And we do love you, Lord. We do love you. And we do thank you, every one of us. We lift up our voices in praise of your wonderful name and give thanks for the hope of eternity, for the forgiveness of sins, for new life in Christ. And again, as we leave this place, Lord, if there be a person who has never received Christ as Savior, open their hearts to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We'll come alongside and encourage them and help them to grow in their walk with you. Praise be your wonderful name. In Christ's name, all of God's people can say it together. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you for coming. Next Sunday, be back and join us again. Bill?